Welcome to the Twelfth House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pelazon, your host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And oh my God, so many of you loved our breakups episode and I'm so happy to hear it. I got a lot of really good breakup stories in my DMs inbox and I thoroughly appreciated and enjoyed it. I'm glad that you could commiserate. And also I heard from so many of you that yeah, this was that podcast was exactly what you needed to hear. So thanks for listening. And if you aren't already, go ahead and hit subscribe on the 12th House podcast. I know it's silly, but it really makes a huge difference for us in the Apple ratings. And when we rank higher and we rate higher, more people can find us. And it sounds like a a silly little thing, but it really makes the biggest difference. So if you could just hit pause on this recording or, or keep playing it, navigate back to your Apple podcast or Spotify podcast, hit subscribe, hit follow. That makes the biggest difference truly in the world to us when we really appreciate it. So I'm begging you (laughs) with humility to please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you're enjoying it. And you know, that way you get notified when we we put out special episodes or surprise episodes. So it's, it's good all around for everyone. But today's episode is one that's a little bit sensitive to me and vulnerable for me because we got such a big response from last week's episode about breakups, which was kind of off the the cuff. You know, the team was sitting around the table at my house doing some work and we were like, let's talk about breakups as a spiritual opening or an opportunity for us to get to know ourselves personally and to double down on our well-being. And so it kind of happened. And because you enjoyed it so much, we thought maybe we would follow up bookend with a podcast about relationships that happens maybe after that catastrophic breakup that you think is going to just decimate your soul and you'll never be able to love again. And then you do. (laughs) And so my partner, Ethan Lipsitz, is our guest on the podcast today. And we actually recorded this episode a couple months ago in expectation of just, I wanted E to be introduced to all of you because he's so inspirational. The way he lives his life, the way that he makes his life around love and also his diagnosis that he lives with. To me, he's the most amazing person in the world and the most inspirational person in the world. And I feel so lucky that I get to share my life with him and sometimes a little selfish that I don't share him enough with all of you. So that was why we recorded this episode. So you could maybe be inspired by his life philosophy, but we do talk a lot about our relationship in it inevitably. And I don't know if that's going to be interesting (laughs) to anyone or not, but maybe if you're on the heels of a breakup and you're looking for some light at the end of the tunnel, maybe this will be your sign that everything's going to be okay. Not that we have a perfect relationship, but to me, he's pretty perfect. So I lucked out. I can't believe I get to spend my life with this person. And you're going to find out why when you listen to the episode. So I hope you enjoy it. And I hope it inspires you. And I hope maybe after listening to this, maybe you'll understand why running an intuitive business and living on purpose is so important to me and why it's the cornerstone of everything I talk about and teach and why it's sort of ingrained in what we do at Holisticism because you're getting a little bit into my brain and a lot into my heart listening to this. So without further ado, here's the episode. Hi, Ethan. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hey. Hey, good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Hey, it's great to see you. Thanks, come, thanks for coming down here. to the studio today. Hey, thanks for having me here. So good to, hey, good to have you. I haven't, ah, it's been a while. Everyone, meet Ethan. 
So, <laughs> Ethan, how would you describe yourself to the holisticism and 12th house community? Well, I'd say, uh-huh, yeah, he, I am your lover <laughs> and future husband yep. and partner in crime. And we have a candle betwixt us, <laughs> which is of <laughs> two Your head is burning people. up. Yeah, the, this candle's burning strong. It's <laughs> catching the vibe, if you if you will. We have a like lover's candle in front of us that yeah. I lit just before this, and it's yeah, burn, it's, it's burning really, high. It's really burning, burning strong, burning <laughs> high. Yeah, so that's it. I am your significant other. <laughs> Like our only identity. Your special but. someone. <laughs> I'm a love extremist. I am an entrepreneur. I'm an artist. I am someone who hates labels <laughs> and exists in many of them. <laughs> yes. When Ethan and I first met, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a story. It's a story. Sure it is. Should I just tell it? Sure. Tell okay. it. So I'd really been asking my Akashic Records, when the fuck am I going to meet my husband? <laughs> When am I going to meet my soulmate? And they were like, yeah, well, because I really kissed a lot of frogs, you know, I was done. I was over it. I was like, I'm tired of this bullshit. Just wife me up already. Like (laughs) I've got shit to do. Like I can't be busy, like fooling around, you know, I'm like. You made that clear to me very, very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. So I asked my Akashic Records, like, when am I going to meet my soulmate? And they were like, you got to start wearing flowers in your hair. And I think I've told this story on this podcast before, but I was like, that's patriarchal bullshit. <laughs> but okay. And I was like, why? And they're like, because you're not taking care of yourself. And if you don't take care of yourself, like how, and see yourself in all of your delight and glory, how can you expect anyone else to see that in you if you don't like honor yourself? Which was right. I was like, mm. you know. Not wrong. I was like ovaries deep in holisticism and fundraising. And I would, you know was waking up in the morning and like rolling over to open up my computer and like immediately begin work. So I started doing that. And then like a week, two weeks later, our mutual friend, Erica invited me to a dinner party at her house. I'm an introvert. I did not want to go, but I went because my Akashic records were like, you got to get dressed up more. So Hmm. I got dressed up. I put on a very, I would say somewhat slutty dress. Yeah. That e-cat dress. Yeah. It was really cute. Had a deep V. Mm -hmm put some flowers in my hair and walked into this dinner party in downtown LA. And I thought there were going to be like 40 people there. And I was going to be able to like, you know, slowly back out of the room and no one would notice that I was gone. And there weren't, there were like four people there and you were, you were one of them. I was there to greet you, you sitting were. on the floor. You were dressed in a hemp cape. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most LA situation. With a fluffy dog on my <laughs> yeah, lap. It was really, yeah, a little white crusty dog on your lap. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Hey, what's up? What do you do? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a human being. And I was like, I rolled my eyes so hard because She's like, I got to get out of LA. I cannot date LA guys anymore. Like I just, I just want an answer. Oh, so immediately I was being uh, considered as a, as a love interest. I, just, I mean like, yeah, any straight male, I was any male on a series like, so are we going to kiss or what? <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, I'm not touching anybody ever again. <laughs> We couldn't, we couldn't be more opposite. Yeah, I was kind of like, I don't think I'm going to meet my person. So I'm just going to live this life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just coming out of a brain cancer, pro, you know, like 
<laughs> diagnosis, surgery, radiation, chemo, all the things. And I like dropped 30 pounds and was like, what abs? You were like having your monk moment, you know, you're like spiritual, just like I'm above sex. <laughs> I'm above. I'm like spiritually evolved. I don't need partnership. I don't need sex. I'm just going to like sit here cross-legged on this hemp pillow with this hemp cape. Yeah. And then this cute little Italian girl woman walks into the room and is like, what do you really do? (laughs) (laughs) No, well, yeah, somehow we got uh, You were like, I think I deflected to you. And then you're like, well, I'm a dancer. I'm into wellness. And I started doing this thing and then seizures. And I was like, oh, I had a seizure today. Well, I asked what you did. I remember what actually happened. That was a good try. That was a good guess. Oh, okay. I said, what do you actually do? Like, do you do things? And you're like, I'm a musician. I do this like music sound healing thing. And I was like, that's oh, right. tight. I'm into sound healing because I'm like, all right, that's cool. Our Venn diagram overlaps sound healing. That means you're a wellness weirdo like me. And also when I have seizures, I lose my hearing because I have temporal lobe damage in, right before I have a seizure. So I'm like super into sound healing and all that. And you were like, I had a seizure today. That's right. That's right. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Look at us. Our Venn diagrams again are, again, the overlap broadens. Multiple overlaps. It's interesting, though, that when we met, that was, what, two and a half years ago, two years ago. Two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. I was calling myself a musician and like a sound person. Yeah, you were doing Adernets. I was doing Adernets. And now, like, I don't really use that term, even though, like, it's like... That was that wasn't that long ago, though. Yeah. Thinking. Well, I think you've evolved to really claiming that you're an artist, right. and I think like a musician, I think being a musician in and of itself is like a complete and total identity. But I could see your transition of like hiding behind calling yourself a musician because you're a very talented musician, and you're like you can play anything, and you have a great voice, well, and making that be more. like <laughs> an acceptable version of an artist, mm. you know, mm-hmm. in in your own mind, but. Yeah, it is super interesting. Well, and also when you say you're an artist, people do want clarifiers. They're like, so what kind? What do you Right, do? of course. They always want like yeah. a visual artist or you a graphic designer right. or you, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's the same thing with dance. Every time I said I was a dancer, like 90% of the time whenever I'd tell men, they'd be like, oh, like a dancer? Where do you strip? <laughs> like a stripper? They're like, no, there's nothing wrong with being a stripper, but right. no. <laughs> <laughs> Also, way to just sexualize me right out the gate. It's, it's kind of not that sweet what you just did, but okay. Yeah, so that was how we met. Wait, why did I go off a tangent onto that story? You're, oh, the, you're the storyteller. Because I was asking about your identity. <laughs> no, you don't like labels. <laughs> right. I don't like labels. It's real. I don't like being boxed in. What can I say? Yeah. And you did drop, I mean, when we first met, you really dropped, you didn't really drop the C-bomb. You said brain tumor. Yeah, right. And I was still averse to using the C bomb. Yeah, how oh, you've changed so much. You've you've really helped me come into my C bomb skin. <laughs> my lemon C bomb. <laughs> what? <laughs> your lemon, your C buckthorn bomb. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lance fighting the cants and me. <laughs> This guy has two balls, so. Yeah. Hey, yo. <laughs> hey. Anyways. <laughs> I can't believe you got scrotal. 
That's wild. <laughs> we go there. We go there. I'm afraid. So you uh come around often? <laughs> you I live here. So you have cancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's a weird thing. It's like people are like, so where are you in the process? Like, are you, are you healed? Are you good? And like with brain cancer, there's not really like a done. There's kind of like a, this is the new normal and you live with it. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting, it, like epilepsy, right? It's like you manage it. It's Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like epilepsy, you can like solidly be like chronic illness, you know, mm-hmm. like and while you can die from it and like it's not dope, it's manageable, like depending on how bad your seizures are. Yeah. But brain cancer, it sounds so dire because it is so dire. Yeah. It's like, whoa. I mean, I remember when we first started seeing each other and I was like, so are you going to like die? Or yeah. well, it's, it sounds dire, but I'm not a dire. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, no, I I wasn't sure. I mean, so yeah, there's. I was just having a conversation with someone about this who suffered really bad concussion and has traumatic brain injury. And we were talking about how prognosis versus diagnosis Mm. and the diagnosis is what you have and the prognosis is what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I remember Deepak Chopra said this and he's like, listen to the diagnosis, but don't believe the prognosis (laughs) with his accent. I can't quite do, but Deepak. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's legit. I I appreciate that. Yeah. I I think that's right. I think there is precedent for management of brain, of certain types of cancer that seem to be challenging to eradicate completely. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm working on in all different ways. It's true. And you were very much in the healing process when we met. Like you were a exact, almost exactly a year out from getting your diagnosis mm-hmm. and prognosis. Right. And then less than a year away from your, well, actually, I think you probably had your surgery anniversary right around the time that we met. Exactly. Moved. The time, the day. Like the day that we met was your one year anniversary of when you had brain surgery. Exactly. Which is crazy. Which is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. July 13th, we met and I had surgery on the 14th. Right. Yeah. It's so weird. It gives me chills, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's well, kind of cool. That time is a magic time for me in my life. Like July 4th weekend mm-hmm. around those times, I've always had crazy things happen. Yeah. Love Extremist began July 4th weekend. Like crazy stuff we went to istanbul we went we did <laughs> great who knows what will happen maybe our future children will be born in july that makes sense maybe hey spirit babies yeah let's keep that magic going <laughs> so we're talking today i wanted to have you on the podcast or not just because i'm obsessed with you and i talk about you all the time and i feel like everyone knows who you are well maybe not everyone a lot of people know who you are <laughs> What's up, friends? I talk to, I talk, I tell people about you a lot. I tell people about you a lot. Oh, stop it. Because obviously I want to talk about us and relationships and spiritual shit and, you know, all that good stuff. But also I think during this really challenging time, we're recording this in March. 2021. 2021. We're officially in year two of a pandemic mm-hmm. and I know so many people are going through the experience of things being up in the air, their Mm -hmm. life as they know it being completely upended and it's not the trajectory that they thought they'd be on, you know, whether it's big or small, whether it's, you know, canceling your vacation plans or your big trip to Europe or your wedding or putting off having kids or getting laid off from your job. Totally. 
or something else, right? And the future feels so uncertain. It has felt so uncertain for so many people. And I think this time has really brought that to the surface for a lot of people. And you've lived with that uncertainty and you live with that uncertainty. And we we live with that uncertainty in a way for a while. Mm -hmm. And you make it fuel. Like you wake up every, you're like the happiest person I know. <laughs> I am? Yeah. You're like always just like always happy, always excited to like take on the day and like motivated and such a hard worker, but also like you have joy and fun and everything. And these are all the reasons that I love you so much. And I just wanted to talk about like, how do we navigate when life feels uncertain and how do we live on purpose? Like, how do we keep that our motivator as opposed to being in the like, just like in the headspace of like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Or like, what, this is all meaningless and empty. Mm -hmm. How can we make meaning of our lives and of our purpose and really like be inspired to live on that purpose? Because it's so hard, I think, like everything in the world is telling us to like fit into a box, have a label, have a a specific identity, do it this way. There's a right way or in a wrong way. And I think that in our heart of hearts, we know that that's not true, but it's so easy to fall into those, that cadence of what society expects from us. And it's so, it takes so much more energy to like be on your own purpose. Mm -hmm. Although it's so much more fulfilling. It's just, yeah, it's like harder work at first. And so I just kind of wanted to talk about all those things and love and, you know, that. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's let's go there. (laughs) Uh, Sounds great. And I think it's fascinating that there's so many pieces of this that are coming up for me as you speak about purpose and how we're all kind of in this moment of the unknown. And I think embracing the unknown is a step in our development as human beings and being able to recognize, I use the metaphor often of floating at sea without seeing land mm-hmm. and this sense of like, well, I'm not entirely sure what direction we're going, but maybe we could drop anchor and there's certain anchors we could drop or certain navigational points in the sky that we could look to. But ultimately, we kind of need to, I think, get comfortable with that idea of floating at sea to a degree. Totally. And some folks are hugging the land and are much more like attached or feel like they have a navigational pathway. But I thought I did. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, that's not happening. And yeah. I, th- I think it's actually, ma- for me at least, better to be okay with that. Be okay with things falling away and disruption occurring because it's kind of an inevitability Mm. in life. Mm -hmm. It is. It's inevitable that like your best laid plans are not going to go the way that you want them to go Mm -hmm. and that you can do very little to control them. I think that that's like my big struggle always is wanting to control the things around me and like find safety in that control. But like, I fucking can't. (laughs) Yeah. And I think actually like it's one of those things, it's like Buddhists talk about suffering, right? You know, mm-hmm. or anything that leads to dis-ease, really like stress, anxiety, all those things is really like, yeah, grasping for control when it's mm-hmm. not, it's kind of like laughable, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Like, you're kind of, obviously, like to some people have ways of creating frameworks and establishing responsibilities or building up 
businesses or families or whatever obligations they may have. Mm -hmm. And there is certainly a need to have some semblance of control and mm -hmm. be able to operate within structure. And simultaneously, it could all crumble in a, in a moment. And in many cases, unexpected happens. And so having some kind of flexibility, I think, and like malleability or agility to move with the punches or the obstacles or the pandemics or whatever it comes, I think is part of living a, a, a purposeful life. Yeah. That like athletic, mental athletic, athletic ready stance, you know, athletic ready is like when you have your knees bent, you're like, kind of down in a squat and you're like ready to move any in any direction or respond to a ball getting kicked towards your face or whatever. Yeah, it's both mental and physical. I'd say a lot of it is actually like realizing that like there's a lot of time when you actually have to get out of your head and mm. like step back into your body. And then whether it's taking deep breaths, taking a walk mm -hmm. or like finding those anchors that you can go back to playing for me, maybe playing my guitar or mm. painting and realizing, oh, like this can just get me back in my body and I don't have to think. I don't have to try to create a solution right now. Yeah. I can just purely express through my body yeah. or engage with the world and that can bring me back into my body in a way that allows things to be all right. Mm -hmm. It's like there's still our birds chirping, right? There's <laughs> yeah. still our leaves on the trees. There still is a sun we can bathe under. Mm -hmm. How do you stay athletic ready mentally? Mm -hmm. Because things could change tomorrow. You get a scan every how many months? Like four or five, five, mm -hmm. yeah. And so we don't really ever talk about this, but like we should be prepared. Your doctor tells us often. Yeah. <laughs> right. I have um, this jerk doctor. <laughs> He's such a jerk. He is such a Just going to come back stronger <laughs> and worse and kill you. <laughs> Badness, bedside manner it's so insane you but also like babe you have to remember that he's used to like i always think about that conversation because you're on keto like you've done so many things for your well-being that most people don't do you're like an outlier you know and so the prognosis doesn't i feel like it doesn't exactly apply to you because you are an outlier like most people don't do the things that you do and I remember when he, you were talking to him about being on the keto diet and like there's so many studies that show it's so efficacious for brain health and for brain cancer in particular. It was developed for epilepsy. So it's not just like a trendy diet that CrossFit people do. It's actually a really amazing therapeutic diet if you're using it therapeutically. And he was like, yeah, it's great. It's so great. And then you were like, do you ever recommend that your clients or your patients go on it? And he's like, oh no, just such a hard lifestyle change for them. <laughs> I was like, what, what is the option? Yeah, and what cancer is, the other is not a hard lifestyle change. <laughs> yeah. The other option is dying, which is like also not the best lifestyle. I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. The, the, the lack of expectation Western medicine puts on its patients, but also, I mean, I, I don't know if there was, there was a question there, which was like, how do I stay ready? Yeah. And to answer that, certainly on a dietary perspective, I am probably on a scale of, you know, one to ketosis, I am closer to two. And so, you know, if ketosis is 10. <laughs> it's like, wait, what's the scale? I'm yeah, bad sorry. at math. I used to people ask people, when I was single, I'd say, on a scale of one to single, how single are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm yeah. so glad I met you when I met you. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good... I used to have all kinds of tricks up my sleeve. 
hey girl what's your social let's hang out oh my God. <laughs> not social media social no. security number yeah, this is pre-social media <laughs> how do you stay ready and present because we don't dwell on this like i think it would be impossible to live being in that mindset would it would be impossible to live in the present right mm-hmm. like it would just be you wouldn't like be making art and working with these companies and like having the amazing career that you're having. And I would argue like we probably wouldn't be together because you wouldn't be like planning for a future. Right. And we very much are planning for a future together. Totally. So how do you stay like that mentally athletic ready, you know, ready for what might come knowing that it might not be an answer that you want while also being like, I'm going to get the answer that I want. The scan will be clear. You're going to, I know you're going to outlive me, Ethan. (laughs) It's going to outlive Michelle. So like, how do you balance those two things? Like, what do you do? Largely, I, I, I think about making plans with you and operating as if I will live a long, healthy life. And that's my agenda. And that's been my agenda since I got this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't, that hasn't really changed. And recognizing that I need to wake up with that intention every day. Mm -hmm. And so even if I were to get a diagnosis that was not like, if I I was to get growth, tumor growth tomorrow Mm -hmm. after my next scan or whatever, that would not change like my plan, right? Mm -hmm. Like my plan is to continue to live on purpose and to live a long, healthy life. And so whatever I need to do that, I will do. Mm. And there may come a point in time where I need to reassess that plan, but I'm 36 and it doesn't make sense for me to give up on living. And so I'm not going to do that. And I have this incredible partnership. We have this incredible life map that we're mapping out and we enjoy the present and also are able to plan for the future and that's really exciting and that that keeps me part that's part of the medicine right Mm -hmm. it's like us having things to live for i mean victor frankl man search for meaning right like that having a future and also having a present and being able to balance those two things every day and recognize I got something to wake up for tomorrow and I'm psyched about today. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was dope too. You know, I, I think that that keeps me in a state of good health, honestly, mm-hmm. and out of dis-ease. And I truly believe that, especially with love as my guiding force with you and also as my purpose in this body while I have it, mm-hmm. ultimately that is the best medicine I could possibly engage with. Mm. And I have talked to brain scientists who study neuroplasticity and say like, love is the natural state of the brain. Like that's the healthiest place to be. Mm -hmm. And so that then means I must be allocating my attention and time to things that I love, to people that I love, to projects that excite me, that I'm passionate about. And you remind me of this all the time because I sometimes get drawn into something that's attractive because of the paycheck or because of the potential or because, I don't know, I respect someone who's doing it, but it may not be in alignment with me. And you've helped me a lot in checking back in and recognizing, oh no, like that could make me sick actually. Mm. <laughs> like you can go deep down that path 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few years from now, you're going to end up in the same place you were. Because a lot of the circumstances that I believe got me sick were going into a relationship that wasn't necessarily right for me and mm-hmm. pushing for that, like trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole, basically, and continuing on a path professionally that was draining me and wasn't aligned with my passion. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, cool, like I got this amazing message to like, hey, like you got to live in your purpose and you got to keep checking in and making sure you're doing that and use all the tools you can every day to check in and know that. And if you're getting off track or out of alignment, you know, don't let a week or a month pass by without riding the ship and figuring mm-hmm. out how to do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that might mean walking away from projects or sometimes that might be, you know, ending friendships or just shifting my priorities and my time. But in general, yeah, it's kind of been my protocol. Like that's a huge component of my health is that I'd say like, and it's kind of scary because when your health relies on you kind of trusting that you need to operate on purpose first, then that takes precedent sometimes over professional opportunities Mm -hmm. and finding the alignment of purpose and profession isn't always fluent at this stage. Mm -hmm. I'm getting there. And I believe also this problem with the boxes we were talking about and the labels is like, I'm probably going to get there Mm -hmm. and then it's going to become the next challenge. I'm going to have to probably say, all right, like I have this fluency in hosting and, you know, I have a TV show and a program and Mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, a series of, you know, speaking gigs and I've written a book and all these things about love extremism. So like now we need to figure out what the next Mm -hmm. phase is going to be because like this box is, you know become too much of a profession. Mm. Yeah. I would argue that that you mentioned something like it, if you, I don't, I don't remember how you framed it up, but like, I would argue that we all, we just don't realize that when we're not living on purpose, we're like killing ourselves. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that super sensey people, like people who are intuitives and empaths, I think that both of us are that we're like hypersensitive little snowflakes or like microchips and we're kind of like canaries in the coal mine. Right. You know, when I started having seizures, I was like definitely not living my purpose. I was like not in a healthy mental state. I was not physically healthy. I wasn't, it was not good. I would have died if I continued going down the path I was on. And I was so young and I had no idea that I was going down the wrong path. And I think that like having seizures saved me, even though it's still, it reminded, because it reminded me of my mortality and it also like literally forced my hand. I couldn't do what I wanted to do because I had epilepsy. And I think it's kind of the same thing with your cancer of you were for, your body was like, nope. Yep. Nope. (laughs) my body god whatever you want to call it yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly and in a way we're like the lucky ones because we get that sign before our midlife crisis or before every our world comes crashing down in some horrible way or you know we wake up one morning we think that we've got everything that we ever wanted and we realize that we're actually empty and miserable on the inside which i feel like happens to more people more and more and more and more people. Like I think about my colleagues and contemporaries who have raised venture money who like are just like killing themselves to run these businesses. And I think about how unhappy they are and how like, why are you doing this? (laughs) To what end? Like 
Why? So you can, I guess like being financially secure is nice to have, but it's super nice to have, obviously it makes your life much easier. But like if you end up alone and miserable and you've wasted half of your life, like what was it worth it? I just don't, Right. I don't think it is. Well, yeah. And also we were bred to be on a certain path and prioritize finances, prioritize profession, right? Like that identity. I would say achievement. Achievement. Sure. Or impress our parents, right? Or Mm -hmm. there's so many different ways of framing it, but that is generally the case for most people, right? Like the priorities that we have, Mm -hmm. I would say, for example, love is not the top priority for most people in regards to how they orient their day. Sure. Yeah. Certainly love is maybe the, they would say that's their top priority in life Mm -hmm. or happiness. But if you look at how they spend their time and their attention, no, that's not the case. Yeah. Right. So I think if we're actually going to operate and orient around love, which I believe our purpose as human beings is to do that, then you got to kind of get real with your attention and your time. And that is the first practice of self-love is setting those boundaries is forgiving the people who you hold grudges against because it's only making you sick Mm -hmm. is having patience with yourself because healing takes time and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be instant when you're, you know, on the path to whatever the next thing is, it's going to take a little while. And all of that is like the tough sides of self-love, but the real shit, which is like, yeah, like, Things aren't right right now, and I need to get in my body and figure out how to reorient so that it is, and that becomes love. Yeah, and then it spreads out. Yeah, I I say love is metal. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like so many people, even I, when I say if I say like, well, I'm orienting my life around love, like I have an internal eye roll of like, oh my god, you're such a girl. You know, oh, of course, like as a woman, you, you just want love. Like, and that's so maybe that's my internalized misogyny, but I also think that's just like the patriarchal culture that we live within that deprioritizes love and like actually how radical love is because love is fucking radical. Love is metal and it's not like soft. It is it is like powerful. I think Einstein said that love is the most powerful weapon that no man can ever claim to like own or understand. And like, I take maybe a controversial stance with this, but like I see the Pratt boys out raiding the Capitol and they're all just trying to find love. And like the president's expressing love to them and there's this camaraderie amongst them, which makes them feel like they're seen, they're heard, they're accepted. They're doing it out of love for him for or him. For, for them for what they know right they're doing it out of love and quote unquote pride for what they know for what they know and for validation right. for acceptance but if you if you extract the actions and you think about the desires and the behaviors right or not the behaviors but like the the desires which are to be seen to be accepted mm-hmm. to be embraced as part of a community mm-hmm. right that is all just like the baseline stuff and mm-hmm. so yeah, if we can redirect that malignant, you know, destructive, violent behavior and that rage, which is often coming from a place of shame. I just made a video about this. And it's coming from shame because, you know, they're ashamed of their family history. They're ashamed of their inability to you know, be successful. They're ashamed of any number of things. Mm-hmm. But like that brings them into darkness and there's allegiance in darkness. Mm-hmm. But there's also allegiance in light. 
And so yeah. getting them to actually work through shame in a healthy way so that they can come into the light with all the people. And it's like, the party's better in the light. As you just said, Einstein knew that. Yeah. Well, I feel like I didn't really put this together, but I feel like it's like, they're like trauma bonding. Yes. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. <laughs> they are. <That's>, exactly. <laughs> you know, it reminds it's me like of like- It's like incels. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or even like, this is so not extreme, but like when you are, you work for like a really terrible boss- Like I've worked for some really terrible people and you like as a a group of employees, like you huddle around that hatred, you know, you like campfire around that hatred and you connect over it and you bond over it. And it like you trauma bond and you have these, I have like these deep connections with people who who I worked with, who we all had a toxic boss and I'm like still close with. And then people who I worked at, at companies that were super healthy and amazing, like I'm not really that connected to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> the it's same unfortunate. Way. <laughs> I mean, think about soldiers at war. Yeah. Right. I mean, like I haven't experienced going to war or being a soldier, but what I understand is that the bond between soldiers is one of the strongest bonds that can be made amongst, you know, brothers in this right. context well, yeah, or like a team. It's teammates. a super traumatic experience. And you're bonding in, yeah, trauma yeah. going through like the shit, literally, right. and being trained to be you know, uh, yeah, be (laughs) furthering dark behavior. So there is like this metal love in there. Mm -hmm. And I think the challenge of our time, the challenge of our species ultimately is to be able to pull that out and say, okay, you're actually just behaving the same way everyone else behaves, but Mm -hmm. you're directing that into kind of a darker path Mm -hmm. that's not supporting our proliferation and our thriving and Mm -hmm. our sustainability as a species, Mm -hmm. as a planet, whatever it is. Yeah. Everyone thinks love is all soft, but love has hard edges. For sure. You know, it can like really cut, Mm -hmm. (laughs) cut deep. You cut me all the time, baby. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I felt my love definitely has sharp edges. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I I think like, I, I feel as though your love is always there's always a softness behind it even though it shows up sharp and for me like I wouldn't want it any other way to be honest with you and I recognize that like it's easy to be in relationships that are easy but it's not necessarily like fun or interesting (laughs) or like we're both like very much passionate about growing Mm -hmm. and evolution and and like that requires like pushing at the edges that requires a little sharpness a little bit of challenge and conflict generative conflict right and so you know how we work through that i think is something we're navigating but it it is part of the equation and obviously we don't want to get to the state of (laughs) cancer or epilepsy Mm -hmm. but to have kind of like micro static or frictions enable us to grow and step into, I think, a greater love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there's, uh, I, I mean, it's such like a gross coaching term, but like the growth edge, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. versus like there, it's one thing to be in a relationship where, you're, and I'm sure I'm certain you have been in this. I've definitely been in this before where you just like, you kind of fucking hate each other. Like everything is contentious. Everything is difficult. It is so hard. And When I was younger, I was like, it's hard because we love each other because we're passionate, you know, like it's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to fight for what you want. Like Mm. it's so, it's so romantic. And I'm like, no, you're not supposed to fight like that. (laughs) 
Well, there's all different flavors of relationship. Some are hard and fighting and that, yeah. I mean, I would say that's probably not the right fit, but there's also like, there's also the easeful and like, mm. sometimes it's too easy and it's like no complaints. Everything's great. You know, like there's no drama. Right. And if like, I would say if you've been in a relationship with someone for years and you haven't had a fight or you've had, you know, three fights yeah. and it's like, what's going on there? Like maybe you're cool and that, and like, you're just happy totally. where you are, but like probably growth isn't on your agenda then. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I wonder if that can be true. If it can be true that you cannot fight and still be growing. I feel like there's so much we, so we go to couples therapy. How long have we been going to couples therapy? Six months, maybe. No, longer than that. Right. I don't know. I don't remember. It's great. We love it. Mm hmm. I feel like what I've learned in couples therapy is that fighting is where you like see the, and when you're like aggravated or dysregulated is when you see the like tenderness and like the deep wounds that inform your personality and how you love mm -hmm. that like really, it's like the unmended parts of you that sort of like crack you open and, and give your partner like an option to show, see what's inside of you like kind of like a little peephole mm. and it's so interesting to be like oh yeah okay this is like the not shiny like smooth edge of you this is like the messy part <laughs> that you've really been working on and and often like doesn't get to come out and play because you don't get in serious and safe relationships where it can come out because like sh shadow is scary yeah and when you're not in con you can never really be in control of your shadow, but when you're not in awareness of your shadow, that's when it's like, it's like you let a panther that you've never, that you haven't fed in months out of its cage. It'll just attack anything, right? Or it could attack you, right? Yeah, exactly. In the ca case of disease. Yeah, exactly. It's just so, so interesting to kind of like let that stuff come up in fights and to feel safe to actually like be in a fight, hmm. you know? And, and, and know I, that I like- I still am a little uncomfortable, but yeah. <laughs> but just to know that like, Oh, they're not going to go away. Yeah. Like they're not going to leave totally. and we're not going to break up just because we're like having a fight. It's okay to disagree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's an area of definitely growth for me as well. Just because I think I've always been kind of in judgment around when I see fighting amongst couples, I'm always like, oh, that's dumb. What are they doing? <laughs> you know? And now I realize like, no, it's actually kind of part of the part of the process mm -hmm. and just doing it in a way that's generative and healthy and also like not letting it fester or, mm -hmm. you know, trying to work through it together as a team. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's what it is. It's like at a high level, it's like committing to like, say like, no, like we're going to, we're going to process this and we're going to work through it and we're not going to like ignore it or avoid it or whatever, because that's what leads to problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like I'll speak from the eye when I go into my, well, I just guess I'll just have to take care of this myself mode, which mm -hmm. is like, oh, I'm not in partnership is when I, I'll shut down a fight or I'm like, I'm not going to bring this up because there's no point in bringing this up and fighting over this because nothing's going to change and I have to do everything myself and I'm the lone wolf always and or I have to take care of fight. myself. Yeah. Sometimes you'll like end it. You're like, I'm done talking about this. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, we're, you're obviously mad and like we haven't resolved it. So you're not done. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, I think that's an important one to recognize. Yeah. When, yeah. We, when we're just like, oh, I'll just handle it. And I, I, I do think like, it's fascinating. I, I was, 
of all people listening to this, I don't even want to say it, this guy who's an internet personality who's kind of obnoxious and problematic, but he was talking about how he's very quick to point out things that irritate him or bother him because- Wait, who is it? Jordan Peterson. Oh, you listened to him on um, Tim, Tim Ferriss' podcast. Yeah. I was shocked that Tim Ferriss had him on his I podcast. Was, I was too. Honestly shocked. Yeah, I was pretty, and, and also like, it wasn't quite a vibe. Like I couldn't get through it. I started listening. And I was like, "This guy's voice, number one, is so annoying." He was yelling at him the whole time. Was it was so like he was yelling. <laughs> I was like, not into it. Yeah, he was like lecturing the whole time. Yeah. I was like, "Dude, who are you lecturing? Like, this isn't." You sound nice. like an asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know why he did that, but anyway, like I listened to Tim Ferriss. No shame, and you don't need to be ashamed of that. If it was Joe Rogan, I would say shame. <laughs> no, well, kidding. the problem, the shame was like that he had Jordan. Peterson on, who I know is a problematic dude. Yeah, and totally. I think that people don't know that. They think he's just like a philosopher guy. And I think, and who's also like super into archetypes and young. Carl yeah, young. I mean, and I'm sure he, like everyone's got interesting things to say, but they're, anyway, he was just talking about how like, yeah, he gets like, you know, if he sees things like, he, he was making some comment like, if if a if I see a, a room that's really messy, like that says a lot about a person. <laughs> and like, you know, in my house, okay, like, what? <laughs> like, what does it say? Yeah, it's like, well, they're they're not they don't have their shit together or something. I don't know. Like, right. there's certain areas of their life that they're neglecting. Okay, and and so it was just interesting to like hear him talk about how he's just like goes right for it, right from the jump, and doesn't let anything fester. And it's mm. like, to me, it's like, yeah, I get that, and also like that could be obnoxious, <laughs> you know, like especially for me because I'm like such a neat freak, you know. Like if I was that, I, like I've had kind of had to let go of some of my tendencies. Yeah. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. For that's now. what that's compromise, baby. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about Jordan Peterson. Don't think about Jordan Peterson anymore. I'm sorry. You know, it. he was like in a coma in Russia. A coma in Russia. Yeah, he was like in a medically induced coma because weirdly, okay, like side tangent on Jordan Peterson, but he's like this super you know, like 12 rules of living or whatever, like disciplined guy. And he, I'm pretty sure was now is an alcoholic and also had a prescription pill problem. Mm. Nothing wrong with being, with being an alcoholic. That's a disease or being an addict again, a disease, but he's like very strictly against that. He says it's like a moral failing. If you have, if you are someone who is an addict, mm. which is like super hypocritical, obviously, and also mm. super problematic. Just and it sounds like he doesn't know how to love himself. Yeah. And <laughs> he ended up, he like, I think he might've OD'd and mm. he went to, to rehab in Russia and they put him into a medically induced coma. And I guess now he's fine. Obviously he's like on a podcast, but it was like a big, I was kind of like following this on Reddit, obviously, where else would I follow it? This is recent? Yeah. Like within the last year mm. and a half, I would say, because he just like dropped off the face of, he went to Russia yeah. and it was very interesting because he's got a huge community on Reddit mm. of just to like see that blowback. And also I'm just, I was shocked to hear that he's like, hasn't changed, you know, that like that mm. experience it seems like it didn't change him at all. They didn't talk about it on the podcast. I didn't hear about it, no. So, I mean, I didn't get through the whole episode, but I would have thought that, like, I'm sure Tim would have brought up in the first, you know, 20 minutes of the episode if it was something that he was allowed to talk about. I'm nearly positive that he, they probably put the kibosh on it. Yeah, he was pretty judgy about, like, 
like even like Tim's excitement about hallucinogens and psilocybin research and like yeah. MDMA, like yeah. he's kind of like, yeah, that's not that's not a good idea. That's very dangerous, right? Right, <laughs> right. Like, like, bro. You were just in a medically induced coma. That's yeah. also super dangerous. <laughs> like, I mean. Yeah, get your help however you need. I don't want to shame anyone for getting help. That's not the point. It's just that there's this guy who's like so clearly living antithetically to what he tells people is the right way to live. And he's so black and white about the right way to live. Mm. And yet it's like the rules don't apply to him. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know much about him, but that's that's crazy. It's, yeah. It, anyways, <laughs> interesting. I kind of got sad there when we were talking about cancer stuff what made you sad i just get mm, i don't want to cry i just get you know we don't talk about it that often because we do live in the present and we're like planning a life and a future together and i think like when i dwell on the prognosis i get like a little scared you know because you're still within the five-year window yeah i feel like i'll breathe much more deeply after that you know of like you know, cause, cause then you're out, like you're, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Like the four year mark will be great. That'll be in July. Yeah. And then the year after that we'll be at the five year mark. And I know, I don't know if those, that maybe those are things I'm just making up in my head is like being meaningful milestones, but yeah, I just get like, I don't want to live my life without you. You're my person and my best friend. And I just don't. I refuse. I refuse to live my life without you. So you can't leave me here. <laughs> I, I, I won't. And also, yeah, every day and every year is a reason to celebrate for both of us. And every every moment we get to spend together is a gift. Mm. And I never want to lose sight of that. I never want to forget that. And easy in our hectic lives and our busy schedules to, you know, get caught up in the projects that we're passionate about and that we're bringing to the world. And mm -hmm. they're so important and beautiful and like amazing. Mm -hmm. And as we've said from the jump, like we need to continue to prioritize this relationship because there is so much important medicine that we can get from each other and with each other. Mm -hmm. And even when we have children and, you know, our business babies grow up and all these things, right? Like it's going to be harder and harder, but it also more and more important for mm -hmm. us to continue to hold that space of sanctity, even if it's going to the river for a coffee every weekend or, you know, ideally it's every day. Like the make the, out songs. Yeah. Make out songs. is like, that was the, one of my favorite ideas that that you've brought into the relationship, like choosing a song and making out for an entire song. At first I was like, whoa, that's kind of a long time. And then it was like, <laughs> no, after like halfway through the song, it's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Hot tip. Make out every day and make, choose, choose a song, choose a love song, choose a sexy song. And listen, this doesn't need to end naked. It could if you wanted to, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Just make out. Make out in your kitchen. Make out on the couch. Make out on the subway when you can wear not a mask on the subway again, yeah. whatever it is. And listen to this, whatever song you want, pick a new song every day. Just like swap tongue. We better make out after this. Babe. We're totally going to make out after this. Swap tongue. Tonsil hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so hard. It's not hard, but it's just like balancing wanting to live on purpose, which is 
often making an impact in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And like you have to do things. It feels like, you know, you you want to do things and make things and create things and meet people and be with people and give of yourself to the world to be on purpose. If you feel like you have a deeper purpose, I know you feel like you have a deeper purpose beyond our relationship. And I have a, a deeper purpose also beyond our relationship. Although I think our relationship is an in, plays an integral role in my purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's it can be challenging to be like, okay, how do I balance these two things? I feel so strongly that I'm here to help others. And also I feel so strongly that I want to have all of my, like spend all of my time and attention, like when I'm with my partner on them and doing both, like the both end of it is that messy middle, interesting space that I think we often like kind of get tripped up in. Well, that's where the boundaries need to come in, right? For both of us. And whether that be, we set them independently or we set them together, but making time to make sure we get a chance to eat together most nights or we we got we got lots of rituals yeah like we do ensuring that those rituals aren't lost just because things are crazy you Mm -hmm. know but scheduling that or make you know really prioritizing that and we can always make more you know coming up with new ones or or rearranging and be like you know what like this week it's not going to be it's going to be a walk in the morning because dinner's too crazed right Mm -hmm. or whatever so i think like it doesn't have to be the same thing. I think like people get caught into this thing, sense of like, oh, well, if we're changing, like that's a problem. And no, like, again, like the change is integral. It's so necessary. And so I think it's about having that flexibility and saying like, okay, like this time or this week or this month or moving forward, like we're gonna start making out for a song or <laughs> next month it's gonna be, we're gonna be skateboarding, you know, yeah. three times a week, whatever, you know, or like we're gonna try to write a song together, you mm-hmm. know, like we can do that. Mm-hmm. We can make music together. And so- I just think there's so many ways to co-create and to engage in love and to not to say fall into a pattern, but just like to get stuck in a particular ritual as your singular kind of like routine of we're here, we're together, Mm -hmm. I think can maybe drain a little bit of energy where like, yeah, shifting it up and mixing it up is like so important for both of us. I agree. I think that like, Whenever you get into just like rote routine, when you're not thinking, when it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. automatic, it that takes the magic out of it. Like, mm-hmm. or that takes the obviously like the intentionality or the consciousness out of it. Yeah. Because you're just doing it because you're doing it and, right. or because it's on your calendar or because like you need to check it off your to do list for today. And that's not the point. Like, we're here to live. We're here to fucking live, dude. Yeah. Like, so live like what are you doing (laughs) you know and I feel like we also uh, I know that I get stuck right of Mm. being like well I have to do how am I gonna do it in this way like how am I gonna balance this and this and this and the other thing like how can I do all the things and then I remember like oh there's always a more creative way to get what I want Mm. like I don't have to go work at a fortune 500 company in order to be successful Totally. Like, I don't have to go raise tons of venture capital in order to be my own boss and to run a really successful online business. Right. I actually get to make my own rules. In fact, I can have a really successful business that helps millions of people. And I can also work like three days a week Hmm. and have plenty of time to like be with my partner and my future children and 
Your current dog child. And my dog child. <laughs> exactly. And myself. Like, there's always another option. We just often close ourselves down and we think there's only one or two pathways when in reality there's like inf- infinite open doors. We just have to go find the doors. Yeah. And also we have to let go of some things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like we have to do our cleanings and mm-hmm. that means like making space. Mm-hmm. So if something, you know, is occupying our time and attention and it is no longer generative or necessary, you know, you, you want to either donate it, give it away or, you know, find some, delegate it, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever that means. Essentialism. Yeah, exactly. And essentialism is always changing and always shifting. And so it's about knowing mm-hmm. that and being ready to like, okay, it's time to shift. It's time right. to change that. Yeah. Essentialism asks you to ask every day, what is essential? Right. What is essential to my life? What is essential to my purpose? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do that thing. But you can't just ask it once. You have to like run every single decision by it and then ask yourself and get those totally. answers. Totally. So for you, like, I remember the first time I came to your house mm. and I saw that you had a bunch of tarot card decks. <laughs> And yeah. you had a bunch of crystals yeah, and minerals yeah. and you're a pretty spiritual dude. <laughs> yeah. We meditated on our first date yeah. and did some energy work on our first date. If you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so how has spirituality or mysticism played a role in your purpose? Cause I think that like love is, definitely a transformative alchemical magical you're you know you're a wizard (laughs) (laughs) thanks i think i've learned that our bodies are much larger than our skin and so to me like spirit encapsulates and embraces what goes outside of ourselves and like our fullness i mean if if i think of you (laughs) like the space you take up is incredible it's massive and not in an obnoxious way just in like a (laughs) you are so much bigger than your body you're petite you're Mm -hmm. a small woman but whether it be physically (laughs) but with whether it be your laughter or the impact you have with your platform or just the way that you express yourself the way that you dance your hair i mean like there's so many elements of you that are almost like beyond physical and that's getting into this realm of spirit and you and I see each other in that way and recognize like we are both spiritual beings, major spiritual beings. And we have tools and practices and paths with which we can exercise that and enhance that energy, uh, whether it be through meditation or through tarot, you know, connection to the Akashic records or for me, like breath or qigong or movement. There's a lot of different ways that we can do this. And yeah, it's something that I learned, I think, pretty early on when I got to California, especially I just started seeing healers and teachers and people. Mm. I was just like fascinated by that because I Were wasn't a big drug. Were you worried about it? Were you like nervous about it? No, I wasn't a big drug person. Right. But I was like, I feel like I can get a drug experience through like weird, crazy spiritual guru people. You didn't have like any judgment around it, I feel like, because you're from Boston, so you're like, Harvard. You know, you're like, 
intellect. You're, Boston uh, is not known for its mysticism. I'm just going to like, except for, for sure. Salem. I mean, the, which, sorry, my Boston witches, no offense, but like, I wouldn't call it like a super mystical, open, hippie city. No, I mean, I was primed for this through a number of pathways. One was I was the most like hippified as I could be because like I grew up in fish culture in New England, which is <laughs> judge it as much as you want. Like that is the hippie I'm culture of New England. I'm not judging it. I'm not judging it. I'm, I'm saying just to laughing. your listeners, <laughs> but you are. And <laughs> she hates it's fish. Just not, no, I don't hate them. They're just not, they just play so long. <laughs> They, they play know. for so long. Well, that's part of the spiritual experience. <laughs> no, it's my access but to church. I get so tired. Anyway, that was it. That primed me. Then I went to uh, yes, I went to a pretty conservative university, but I moved to Australia right after that, and I lived with an Alexander Technique instructor. Oh, yeah. Australia is, I would say, like pretty. First off, like it's, it's the LA it's, of the Southern Hemisphere. It's the LA of the Southern Hemisphere, but it's also in Asia. It's yeah. Australasia. And yeah. so like the influence is strong. And I went to an acupuncturist when I messed my ankle up or I would go to a kinesiologist after I got mugged. Or- oh yeah. It's so, no- everyone has a kinesiologist. I remember when I was dancing, like my, you know, boyfriend at the time would go on tour to Europe and he would have like a kinesiologist in every single city that he went to. And he was like, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Osteopathy. It's just like so normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so Australia, especially Sydney and the beach culture, like it was just like, that was the deal. And I lived with someone who really was living that. And then I had a friend who worked at a kinesiologist office. So she hooked me up with appointments and it was just, that was the scene. And so I got into it there and then I came to LA and I met LA people. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting a mutual friend of ours and she was like, you got to see this healer. He does crazy work. And I was like, that sounds interesting. And like, yeah, I wasn't really like a drug person, a journey person. Mm-hmm. It was more so like, how can I like engage with this elder and have a weird experience? Like that sounds so exciting <laughs> and interesting and different. Yeah. yeah. And that was cool to me. And so, yeah, from the get-go, I wanted to just kind of learn more about th- what that was. And mm-hmm. I didn't really, I don't know, my, my, I think I knew, like, I had been refining my brain for, you know, 20 years, 25 years, and my brain was sharp, and my body was not, and, like, my mm-hmm. energetic being was not. And so when I got to LA, it was like, all right, it's time to really, like, get, learn how to be in my body, learn how to take care of it, and, like, experience dropping out of my brain because my brain was almost, it was exhausting being in my brain. So you were doing spiritual work, but you were like, this is so interesting because I feel like it happens a ton to people in the wellness and spiritual space where you're like going to healers, doing the quote unquote work, like blah, blah, blah. But you also are in a job that you fucking hate that gives you brain cancer. So, and like you're in a terrible, you're in a terrible relationship with someone who like doesn't treat you well. And you know, it's like not dope. Right. And, but like, you're doing all, you're like conscious in these, in some of these ways, but like also not in others. I will say the exact same thing for myself. Right. Like I was going through doing all the spiritual work and then being like, Oh shit, I'm in an abusive relationship or like, Oh, I, I don't, I hate my boss is totally toxic or whatever. So like, what was that like? Did you notice it? Did you like come to realize it through your spiritual work? No. I mean, I knew that I needed to change my work. Yes. I knew that my, my, my job was not in alignment for me after, you know, I was probably working in that 
job, which I created. So I built You're the CEO of your own company. Yeah, I created a company. It was a dream job. I built a business. I had 20 employees, you know, like amazing team. It was all going and it had we pivoted and the pivot pulled me out of kind of an area of passion I really had. And I didn't realize it initially, but pretty quickly actually I was yeah. clear but and you know when you start I think a lot of people don't realize that when you start a company especially if it's a fast-growing company your company is literally changing every six months like the company that you have it is different you have a different company in six months and you have a different role and you have usually a different focus if you're growing really really quickly and so you can start with something that you absolutely love that is your dream job. It can very quickly turn into something that you, if you're not careful, that is like the antithesis of what you want to be doing. Totally. And also we had investors, right? So like right. having investors, it was like, all right, right, I'm actually not working for myself. I'm working for my investors because they want their money back and then some. And that wasn't, that like pulled me out of a space of uh, excitement and creativity because I felt like I had to root around, you know, the finances. I had to f- figure out how to make the money. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was really passion sucking. But to answer your question, I think we still have blind spots. Like we're definitely still living in a, you know, a time when like we're doing all sorts of spiritual stuff and trying to be tapped into our bodies. But there's no doubt that there's deeper and deeper layers of the onion mm-hmm. where we have work to do and, you know, causing challenge or dis-ease in our lives, right? And mm-hmm. I think that that's the nature of life. We'll always have that. Mm-hmm. Like it's constantly like an unpeeling and an unfurling and recognizing like, oh, like this messed me up and I completely blocked it out because I had to <laughs> for, you know, the last 20 right. years. And so, yeah, I, I, I think certainly getting clearer about purpose and getting clearer about health and prioritizing that has made me my my sensitivity stronger and you have that as well. And you had that earlier on in your life. Yeah. And so we both come to each other with a certain degree of like awareness and sensitivity, but I don't think like that we'll, we'll ever be finished. I don't, I don't think we'll ever be at a place where like we've arrived and we no longer have to worry about Mm -hmm. the blind spots that exist Mm because we all have them. Yeah. Yeah. Our flames are where I'm looking at our couple's candle right now. There's two wicks and they were like just kissing. It's really cute. Hmm. Yeah. I think about this a lot, you know, of like what happens when you sort of have your nose pressed up against the window pane, right? Mm -hmm. And you're trying to look at the window Mm -hmm. and you can't see it because you're so close to it. And Mm -hmm. I think often like when we're in our sort of like healing journey, especially at the very beginning or when you're first discovering well-being or spirituality in the iteration of you know, adulthood as opposed to like maybe when you were a kid or an adolescent, we get like wrapped up in the experience of it, right? Of like the drama of the healing and the evolution, the work, the evolution, like being in our shadow work and blah, blah, blah. And it can become like this all-encompassing full-time job. And we like sort of miss the forest for the trees, right? We're like so in our work that we're like forgetting to live, forgetting to be perfect, forgetting to like go take risks and and why we're doing it. We're doing it again to live, to like be the fullest dimension of ourselves. And we end up just like becoming so rigid. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about like when we do an elimination diet in order to start feeling better and then you cut all the foods out that are enjoyable and delightful. And then you're just like living in fear around and around food <laughs> because yeah. you want to feel good. But like, really, you're just, what are you doing? You're just scared to eat anything. And how does that make you feel good? 
Like you might wake up feeling great and your skin might look popping, but like if you're miserable, who cares? What's the point? You know? Well, and there's also like the, the, the pathway where you do all this work on yourself and then you're like, okay, now it's time for me to bring this out to the world. Or like, I'm, I'm enlightened now. I, I can share right. this. I can teach this. Right. And then we lose the sight of actually like doing the work ourselves and yeah. being authentic with ourselves. So it's like, we're great at telling others what to do, but we're not actually taking care of ourselves. So totally. it's, there's this constant balance and conversation that needs to be happening. It's the way that I talk about love. It's like self-love is the baseline. It's it's not that you need to love yourself first, but you need to always be checking in so that you can continue to deepen your self-love mm-hmm. and and learn how to do that and, and engage with it so that then you can show up loving to the world, mm-hmm. loving to your partners, loving to whoever else. Okay. Let's talk about love. I know we've been talking about it this whole time, but you were like very into loving yourself first before we met. Mm -hmm. And then when we met, you're like, you have to love yourself first before you can love anyone else. Right. I disagree with that. Yeah. Well, I think I disagree with it now too. Oh, oh. Yeah. Because we don't tell me more. We're not born knowing how to love ourselves. That's not the first. You don't think that we like innately know how to love ourselves? No. Yeah, we probably don't even like recognize that we're sentient beings. We don't have like a consciousness of like that we're a thing when we're born. We're just like there. Yeah. And and like sure, we have needs and we have we're dependent mm-hmm. and our dependencies show up and we articulate that, but we're not able to truly love ourselves. Like we only learn how to love ourselves by the mirroring that it, we engage with when we are loved mm-hmm. or when we are not loved. And both of those things become like metrics. And once you have enough relationships, whether they be platonic or parental or Mm -hmm. intimate, you you start to gain the language and the awareness of like, oh, this is loving to me. This Mm -hmm. feels good. This is not. Yeah. And oh, this is something I can actually provide for myself. Or this is not. And then eventually we become, you know, human beings with things that we know we really resonate with and align ourselves with. And this is what I think one of the challenges of one of the reasons why I'm, I've always kind of strayed away from certain elements of pop culture or television or mass media is because you're I, cool. Yeah, I'm extremely cool. <laughs> but I also, I also see these tools as homogenizing our love ultimately, okay. and by programming us to imbibe certain content, certain music, certain programming that. It's like if you're listening to a podcast all day or you're consuming music all day, Okay, you're not able to actually check in with yourself and like connect okay. to like, what that is my true... Okay. I can buy that. But I don't buy that like media in general to like it shows us only one way to love. No, it doesn't. Everyone gets a different lesson from it. It's like art. You can interpret it in any way that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is because media, now it's a little different. When I was younger, like there was 10 stations on the free TV. And then, you know, if you had cable more, but like there was only so much you could really consume in a day if you were watching TV. Mm -hmm. And that homogenized people in terms of like the information they were consuming. With the internet and with the you know mass proliferation of social media, that's evolved and shifted. And we've like been able to diversify. But- Early on, I think I had this like aversion to that. Early on, I wanted to watch a lot of TV. My parents didn't let me. They basically were like, you can watch an hour a day, that's it. And eventually I actually like distanced myself from it. I was like, you know what? Like, 
screw TV. I'm going to go out and skateboard. I'm going to go play music. I'm going to be with my friends. I'm Mm going to play ping pong. I'm going to make art. And I realized like I had all this pride and sense of self and like identity that I don't know if I would have had as much if I had grown up in a different place or like consumed a certain Yeah, I think that there are a lot of things that probably go into why you are the way that you are. And maybe it's because you didn't watch TV, but... Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I would would push back on that. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) I mean, I think that like for many people, I mean, I don't think that TV and movies are not art. I think that they are art. Right, but people more often than not who don't consider themselves artists like don't believe they are creative. And I okay, think well, that's- Okay, but what does that have to do with pop culture and media? I think like when we are not given space to create, we we, we lose the muscle. And, and Okay, so you're saying that it, we're in consumption all the time. We don't have any opportunity to be creative. Correct, that's it. There we go. So it's like the balance of creation versus consumption always needs to be- like there's, there should always be an awareness there. And if you're in consumption mode all the time, right, you're not able to create and eventually that muscle atrophies and then you don't think you can create. And like, I strongly disagree. I think we all have the capacity and the brilliance Mm -hmm. and the ability to make art and to create. Yeah. I think that there's so much more wrapped up in that as like also a creative person an artist and someone who really struggled to create like original work when I went to art school. I think that it's more than just like being creative. I think there's, if you don't yeah, feel safe to be, to express yourself and to like be loved regardless of what you put into the world or like in spite of what you put into the world, then you're never going to want to make anything. Like you don't yeah. feel safe to have a voice. I didn't feel like I had a voice. I had anything to say when I was like making work. I had a ton of shit to say. I just was too scared to say it. And I was too young to realize that I was too scared to say it. I just thought I was not deep. I didn't have any depth and I didn't have any experiences. And I didn't, what are you talking about? I had tons of experiences to draw upon. I just didn't feel like I could say them safely. Well, I wonder if like there's something here in kind of the current trend of like mental health and social media and like just the challenges around how social media can make people feel like they aren't good enough or Mm -hmm. don't have something worth worthy to say or losing or what they say is dangerous or maybe like they'll lose friendships over, Mm -hmm. you know, being expressing themselves. And uh, you've got that, but also on the flip side, you've got everyone on TikTok who's fucking weird. You know, we've got like people who are just like letting their freak flag fly. Totally. So I don't know. It's like, we live in a world of extremes and of polarity and, and it's a both and situation. And we don't like that. We don't like the both and. We want to say mm. social media is bad or social media is great or mass media is bad and makes us boring or, you know, consumption is terrible. But the truth is like you never start something creative from an empty slate. Right. You don't. You don't write from a blank page. You create based off of something that you've consumed and you've metabolized and then you make something. So that's the same with love. Love doesn't come from an empty slate. Love comes from your experiences of love or what's been positioned to you as love before you get, you know, before you can create your own definitions Mm -hmm. and practices. Ah, yes. So like if we kind of follow that logic, then then to sort of like close yourself off in a vacuum, which I feel like so many people do when they're like trying to have self-love, they're like, no, 
I'm working on self-love. Right. I'm not dating. I'm not going out. I'm just doing my healing process. Right. I'm self-loving. God damn it. <laughs> you know? And like when you're in a vacuum doing that, well, you might really be able to practice self-love. Like you also need to practice it out in the real world. Yeah. Like implementation of love. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting, like in meeting you very quickly, I realized like, oh, like just because I wasn't like looking for a partner in a long-term relationship and maybe a future wife, like one showed up and, and I wasn't, and I wasn't going to like deny that. Right. Like I wasn't going to try You tried. You did friend zone me. Sure. I friend zoned you, but that was because I wanted to go slow, but like, not, but I convinced you not yes, to go slow. You showed up. You were like, <laughs> look, here's what's happening. And as you said in the beginning, like I'm not messing around. So where are you at? Are you with me or not? I wasn't that forward. I feel like we got to give people the real story. I mean, fair enough. So we met at this dinner party. Yeah. There was a vibe. There's a- you were not vibing, but I was vibing. <laughs> yeah. But then I asked the- for your number exactly. and you so rejected me. I did. <laughs> well, you were like, we should, we should continue this conversation. I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure Erica will put us on all an email. I just was being like, oh, I'm not, I'm aloof. Like it wasn't on purpose. I wasn't like playing hard to get. Trust me. I don't have game. <laughs> like, come on. But then you did email me. And then I asked, oh, do you want to go to coffee or do you want to like get dinner? Right. And I said, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. So but, at least this guy doesn't want to sleep with me. And I know he's just actually interested in me for my mind. So that's cool. Well, I just was like, yeah, I was really interested in you and I want to get to know you. And I, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't ready to do a dinner thing. But then our next date was, you know, he flew across the country and we took a road trip around New York. Yes, and you, we went on a coffee away. date. It went smashingly. It wasn't a date, but yeah, it wasn't not a date. It, it turned into a date, yeah. maybe like midway through, maybe yeah. in the last 15 minutes, you were like, all right. I was like, wow. I get down. I yeah. tap that. I mean, no, I still wasn't really in like the sexual mode, but yeah, I was very ex- interested in you. That's for sure. And then we, we, you were driving across the country, so we weren't going to see each other for like two wagon. and a half months or something. And I, I remember saying, I just like your energy, man. Yeah. And you're like, I like your energy. And then you called me a couple weeks later. We like, we, we texted. There was mm-hmm. some banter. Yeah. You had to check in with your sister if I was flirting with you? I had to check in with my sister. Yeah, I did, actually. I showed her our text messages, and she was like, you're so stupid. He's flirting with you. Flirt back with him. And I was like, flirt back. You think he likes me? We were sitting getting her. I I had just gotten her a birthday present. I was getting her ears pierced for her, so I was paying for it. Mm. And I was like, do you think he likes me? She was like, dude, he likes you. I was like, okay, cool. Mm. Tight. Tight, tight. (laughs) And then you asked me to fly across the country and come visit you to go to a wedding together. Mm-hmm. And I said, bet. And then... Kind of. You were like, maybe. Well, I was in this crazy situation because I was trying to fundraise and... Okay, I'm going to drop in. Should I drop the name? Yeah. Okay. It. Sophia Morosa, if you're out there, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, we got to talk. Yeah, well... You- you're the reason why we're together. I mean, you almost were the reason we weren't together. So yeah, exactly. she, we somehow got connected. Oh, she joined Holisticism. She's on the email newsletter list. So and look at this, look at this podcast. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. I wrote to her and I was like, hey, I'm fundraising. You're the lady in charge of girl boss. Like, here's what I'm doing. And I'd love to like 
chat with you. And she invited me to her house. She like right. connected me with her assistant. She was like, yeah, come to my house. I'd love to talk and like mentor you. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. And then like her assistant, I was supposed to meet with her like on a Friday. I was supposed to meet with her on a Thursday and fly out on that Thursday night to come see you, E. Mm. And I didn't like hear from her assistant on when it was like Wednesday night. I was mm. like, oh, fuck. Okay. And then Thursday came around and I was like, well, I'm clearly not going to come see her on Thursday. And then her assistant was like, oh yeah, you're supposed to come. Like maybe you can come to our house on Friday. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of have to like fly out on Friday afternoon somewhere. I didn't, I was supposed to fly out on Thursday. And then like, I never heard back from the assistant and it was Thursday my flight was at 1220 in the morning. It was like probably 1115. And I was like, I can't believe I'm not, I can't believe I'm just going to like, I'm so mad that first off they, they like asked for this meeting and then they blew me off mm. and that I'm just waiting around. And I was like, I, Michelle Pelazon doesn't wait around. <laughs> Michelle does not wait around for life to happen to her. She makes life happen. And so I called my sister and it's like, you got to watch the dog. I got to go to the airport. And I drove to the airport. I was the gate was about to close in two minutes. Wow. I ran. When I tell you I ran through LAX, I ran so-, so You just had like a tote bag. I had a tote. Thank God. Because if I was a heavy packer, I wouldn't have made it. Yeah, that's true. And I made it on my flight. And then, yeah, I came to you. I ended up hearing from them in like the next week. So I'm so glad I didn't wait because yeah. I would have been- We never would have had our magical weekend. But you never did end up meeting with Sophia, did you? No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. So she I guess me. I won. She, yeah, exactly. I think that it worked out perfectly. I think it worked out exactly how it was supposed to work out. Everything's good. Yeah. Everything always does. Yeah. That was, that was good. Yeah. And so, uh, so to, question for the audience, we're thinking about taking another road trip soon. And it, it, we, this was, and I was in this series of buying cars and painting them in crazy ways and then taking them on road trips. And this was my second one. It was a Volvo station wagon that was red and I painted it in a crazy way and was driving across the country. And so we're gonna take a road trip soon. Do you think I should acquire a vehicle and paint it for our next road trip? Or should we just take our old dependable Subaru station wagon? I think we should take the Subaru. I know what you think, but we're asking your audience <laughs> because you, you do polls all the time. Yes. Yes, audience, you can write in to our text message line and say whether you think we should scoop a whip yeah. for our trip. We're going to Vancouver. Make it an art project and you will dance and I will make music and we will have a painted car and there make people smile. There we go. Yeah. There, that's it. That's the stuff. See? <laughs> Mm, what's something that's like really off brand for you that you do something that's off brand for me that i do listen to tim ferris uh <laughs> you think that's off brand i don't know maybe it's on brand i don't know <laughs> Oof, i gotta think about it for a second something that's off brand for me that i do i don't know that much that's off brand for me oh, wow you're really you're really on brand i'm pretty on brand i think i'm pretty on brand I, wow do you eat meat? Okay. All right. I guess like, I mean, I'm keto, but I eat meat and I recognize like that might not be the most love extremist thing I could do. Mm. Wow. You can't go vegan. I know. It's so hard. I mean, like no offense, vegans, but like I, if you're vegan, I support you. That's dope. That is so cool. 
it's so hard for Ethan. <laughs> it's so yeah. hard for Ethan with his dietary restrictions. <laughs> he yeah. can eat like avocados. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh. it's tough. I, I, I guess, but I, but I recognize like, I, I, I'm aware of the logic behind not eating meat. And I also recognize the environmental impact and yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I am think about. Yeah. We eat chicken and sometimes on the rare occasion we have beef, we like mm-hmm. cook beef, but and fish. we've been doing fish lately. I'm just not really like a meat person, like in general. I don't even really like chicken. Kind of makes me grossed out. Yeah. Once in a while. I remember I would get like red meat cravings. Like I needed to have a burger yeah, or steak or something. It was yeah. weird. That's interesting. Iron. I think I needed iron. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I've been in that position before. of like, I just really need to eat a burger. Yeah. But it doesn't happen very often to me. I think you and I have, yeah, we have different approaches to, you are much more intuitive with your palate, what you eat. And... I'm like very conserving around like things. Like I keep, I hold on to things that I think <laughs> yeah. might be useful oh my God. or keep things oh in the fridge God. for we, way too long. I made long. this barbecue, keto barbecue sauce like I think two years ago. Yeah, we still have the uh, <laughs> last week. I, I threw it out last week. But before that, you were like, you can't throw that away. So good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you you literally have not eaten it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm getting, you're, you're teaching me. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> I also realize, like, I am very directed by my inbox and people reaching out to me, text messages. And, <laughs> I'm the opposite. And you are the opposite. <laughs> and I, and I, I, when I'm talking all about, like, attention and time and, and, like, loving yourself, and it's like, and if you email me or you reach out to me, like, I'll get back to you in 15 minutes, you know? Like, and, and uh, I, I see that as, like, it's so ingrained in me, but it's not necessarily good for me. Well, okay. Yes, I would agree with that. I don't necessarily like about myself that I will let things that I like will let emails sit or that I will let text messages sit. I just, I actually like talked to my therapist about this because I'm like, what is it about me? I have like 45 unread texts from people I like. Yeah. It's not like I'm like, yeah. leave me alone. It's right. just, I often feel like so many people want my attention and I'm such an introvert that I just, and I'm so busy that if I don't like shut, I want to reply to someone when I'm like present, you know, and like mm-hmm. aware and like I can really give them the attention that they deserve. Right. And often when I have the space to do that, I need to be taking care of myself. Yeah. Of like I need to nourish. Okay. I, I'm, I'm focused and aware and present right now. I got to focus on me. <laughs> like yeah. I got to do my self work. And so sometimes texts go a little longer than I would like. I feel bad. All my friends out there are waiting for a text from me. Just double text me, babe. It's yeah. fine. I, really like, I know that it's an annoying thing, but it's a quirk. Yeah. It's a quirk I have. Well, and I think, yeah, you and I are kind of have some pull there and I'm, as we have like joint projects that we're working like on, like our wedding, like our wedding, <laughs> like I get anxiety having like emails in my inbox and like, you're like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with I'm this. Like, <laughs> it's the weekend. I, I don't want to be doing it. I'm like, do you like, want to get married? I, I do. I do want to get married. I just like, it's not that serious. It's not urgent. You know, nothing's urgent. Yeah. That's the, that's the challenge. Like nothing's urgent except all these other people's, senses of urgency which is so different which is than false. ours which also is like but literally nothing's urgent 
Right, but but very few people have that awareness. Well, that's because of white supremacy. Right. Because uh, yeah, no, urgency I'm not, I'm is not a tenet of white supremacy. I know, uh, yeah, I know you're not, but like, I'm not going to just like buy into that because you believe in it, person who's emailing me. Like, I don't believe in it. Well, I think it would be really interesting to have an auto response to all your emails. That has the tenets of white supremacy and says urgency and perfectionism are two of the tenets of white supremacy. Basically, so. yeah. Or just be like, I, I don't subscribe to an, white supremacist patriarchy. <laughs> it's such a dick move because you're immediately calling someone a white supremacist who has like any sense of urgency. No, it'd be like, hey, this isn't this isn't a, a neg. It's just a little educational moment. <laughs> hey, 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 buddy. Step right into my inbox. Let me give you just a yeah. little educational momo. Yeah. And uh, let's talk Let about... Let me articulate how I communicate. Your sense of urgency. Well, yeah, I've thought about it. I kind of feel like autoresponders, I used to have one on my personal email saying like, I don't check emails or like I'm, I'm in deep work. Mm. And I kind of feel like it's a bit much. Yeah. It's a bit much to be like proving to everyone how... Uh, out of not connected to email you are just don't fucking respond to the email you know yeah but that's also like i don't know yeah there's there's arguments for both but you don't owe anyone who emails you anything i mean unless you're like in direct relationship you're trying to talk about something like a project if you have a cold reach out if you have someone who's connected even a warm reach out a friend who's reaching out to you asking for a favor you don't owe people anything so i feel like it's, people take emails so personally and so seriously. It's not that deep, bro. I have 1,100 emails in my inbox. If I don't get to you, it's not. It is truly not personal. It isn't. Yeah, that's right. So don't take it personally. It's also not my responsibility to like manage your feelings if you're going to like be butthurt for me not replying to your email. Totally. I get that. I, look, I admire it and <laughs> I struggle with it. I feel like I'm trying to like justify it too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think even the idea of purpose, I think we get really wrapped up in that. Yeah. And I think it's it's not so much like, oh, you need to have some mission statement and manifesto for your life. I think it's more so just living on purpose, yes. which is different. Yes, 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 yes. Talk more about that. Living on purpose is simply like waking up every day and like having a reason for it and being excited about it. Not even a reason even. Like it's not even about it's just that. Choosing. It's just like choosing to engage with love and with like certain feelings you want to bring into the day and knowing how to direct that, whether that be through your morning pages or your meditation or your exercise, and then how you want to engage with people and being able to kind of build momentum into your life so that when you go to bed and when you wake up, there's something rooted in kind of a foundation, something rooted in an identity. And for me, I just got, I'd been checking out my gene keys today mm. and like, I got all the like the smart stuff and the capabilities and the things I can do, but like, they're like your biggest thing is actually like your aura. So you just need to like show up in community and like give your energy and like, they're not wrong. You'll be like, and you have this as well. And so like, you looked at my gene keys. No, I just know. Like, <laughs> I don't understand gene keys at all. Well, you can, can we go to the it? website. It's really easy. Yeah. Let's look at it. But basically, like, that's a really interesting thing. It's like, okay, so if I know, like, I just need to, like, show up as bright as I can every day to the world, and the world will respond to that, then, like, what do I got to do to be bright, right? Like, mm-hmm. I got to eat my cereal I love. I got to <laughs> sit, sit in the sun. I got to, you know, talk to the dog, I, you know? <laughs> 
whatever it is, I got to kiss you, mm-hmm. you know? Like these are things that are really important to stay in a certain way. And I also got to continue to build those things without dependency on anyone else. Like mm-hmm. things that really like charge me up and I know I can always fall back on, you know, that like guitar or yeah, being in the sun or meditating, things like that. Hmm. But yeah. Yeah, being on purpose instead of, of yeah, like living for a purpose, like l- having a life's purpose. I think that that's really astute because so many people are like, but what's, I got it like searching for their life's purpose, right? Or like so worried about finding it. And I think that your purpose can change over time and your like attention, your, what you want to focus on can change over time as you like live more life and you get inspired by more things and like you go through more hardship. Yeah. And just like choosing, choose the better story. That's our mantra. Definitely. Choose a better story. But also I challenge you to choose love, Mm. to choose love first before any other purpose. And then you can filter every other purpose through that. Because if you're prioritizing love, I guarantee you the joy and the fulfillment and the depth and the growth and even the challenge and the metal Mm -hmm. will all come through that. And if you're not, then like you're going to get stuck in like, I think certain cycles that maybe lead to less fulfillment or less sense of purpose or less sense of identity. But if we can inhabit love in whatever authentic way is real to us, which is different for everyone, but to recognize what does make me, what makes me loving that starts with, what do I love to do? Mm -hmm. How do I love to take care of myself? How do I love to engage with people around me? How do I love to engage with the planet? How do I, you know, like what do I spend my time on? That's my gift for myself, for the world. And then, you know, using that love filter, you can then be so much more on purpose every day. Mm. We're humans. What other species do we know like that like loves as hard as we do? Elephants. Know. Dolphins? Elephants cry and when one of them dies and they go back and visit where they're buried. Mm. So elephants. Elephants yeah. and people. Elephants and people. We love. Yeah. What would your life look like if you lived with love being the centerpiece of it in five years? I will have a beautiful, loving relationship with you, with myself, with my family. I will have worked on developing deeper love, specifically with family and the existing family I have and the new family that we will build together. But that will be an ongoing practice and challenge and opportunity. Mm. And also I will be contributing this message of prior prioritizing actionable love beyond our families, beyond our intimate circles through every medium I have access to. And I'll be supported in doing that. Mm. The world will enable that because that's what I have to offer. Nice. I love that. Can't wait to make it with you. It's already happening. (laughs) Okay. Is there anything else that we need to talk about? I'm in politics. (laughs) Oh, everyone's going to want to know what's your sun and rising and moon sign in astrology and what's your human design? I am a manifesting generator, human design, and I'm a Virgo sun and Scorpio moon. Mm -hmm. And I think Virgo rising too. No, baby. Capricorn. Leo. Leo. Oh, right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for keeping keeping me on my toes. Yep. I'm um, super spiritual too. 
I was never, yeah, I was never a hyper astrologer, but that's, that's cool okay. stuff. That's cool stuff. It's interesting. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. As a Pisces and a Virgo, we are meant to be together. And, and an MG and a projector. Mm-hmm. We work we work really well together. We don't understand each other one bit. <laughs> <laughs> we don't understand each other's work styles. I mean, although I will say that it has definitely saved us knowing that you're a projector or that I'm a projector and you're an MG or else we'd just be like, how do you fucking work the way that you work? Because we're so different. Yeah, we do work very differently. And sometimes it's hard because I feel like I'm I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. I'm just me. Yeah. But it's like, I don't I hope I don't make you wrong. You never make me wrong, but like what you do is the right way. <laughs> no. Well, what I do works for me. Right. And when other people don't do what you do, it doesn't work. Well, does it work? No. <laughs> and what you do works. No, that's not what I say. I, I know. know that my work works for me because it works for me. That's the whole thing with an intuitive business. Like, right. it works for me because it's for me. Totally. Like, I get to choose the way that I want to do it. And the way that you do your work, I could never do it that way. It's Just not mega intuitive for me. And it, yeah, yeah, and it totally works for you. But I would not get literally anything done. But and, I will say the more I'm exposed to more like media, podcasts, music, well, not less music, more podcasts or social media, the less I am in touch with my intuitive nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so hard because like we're such audio people and like podcast people and love to hear stories and hear about others, especially in quarantine. You're just like, hi, can I get some interaction with the outside world? Well, that's why I love Clubhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow Ethan on Clubhouse. He's a celebrity there. Join me in the Love Extremist Club. Yeah, the Love Extremist Club is huge. Popping off. It's popping. We're going to hit 27,000. Wow. That's so cool. It's pretty exciting. That's so cool, babe. Get the emails. (laughs) We're working on it. Yeah, I'm working on it. That's amazing. Yeah, Ethan is a really amazing facilitator. I didn't brag on you at all. Ethan's a really amazing (laughs) facilitator and visual artist, which we alluded to, but he is available for private commissions. You better book him fast if you want to book book him. My work's moving. His work goes fast. And musician and writer and producer and... All the things you're podcast just you're, host. you're yeah podcast listen host. to me oh, and Michelle yeah, yeah. on Love Extremist Radio. Oh, we have yeah. three Your episodes. Your podcast is back. Your podcast is back. Podcast is back, and our episodes together are the most popular episodes on Love Extremist Radio. People just want to hear about romance. Let's babe. see how this one does. I hope it does well now that it's so long. But well, okay, one piece of what would your piece of advice be for anyone who is because you were single and you kind of thought you weren't going to meet anyone. You right. thought you thought your love life was over. You were. I didn't resigned. think my love life was over. I just you didn't. Ex- I didn't expect to have like. Yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to meet the one. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure I was going to meet. Yeah, the one. you thought you were going to be single forever. Yeah. So. What, that's what the key. That's advice? the key. Get yeah. to that place, yeah. and then you'll meet your person. <laughs> abandon all hope. Right. <laughs> well, it's it's not so much abandon hope, but it's more so just like when you're not looking for it. Unfortunately, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. It's, but it's everyone like, always says that. It's so. It's like people always say when you want to get pregnant, like when you stop trying is when you get pregnant, yeah. and like same thing with love. When you stop looking is when it happens. It's annoying. It's really annoying. But Why also, do you think that but is? like, I would also say just like. 
work on the self-love stuff, you know, like figure out what makes lights you up every day. And like the more bright you get lighting yourself up, whatever that looks like, practice, practice, do it every day, lighter, brighter as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And you'll magnetize some shit. And it could be professional, it could be personal, it could be romantic, but like you will absolutely magnetize things to you if you're doing a regular self-love practice. Yeah, and I think like by lighter and brighter, you don't mean like love and light, right? You mean like dial into the brightest version of you, which I feel like is the truest. Yes, yes, definitely. Like the truest version of you. So like your truest version of you can have shadow. It can have negativity. It can have messiness. It can have potty mouth. Yeah, totally. It can say the fuck word, you know, like your, your most authentic version of you, the most dialed version of you. Like it doesn't mean that you're all smooth edges and love and light only and positive vibes, babe. It means that like, your your boundary. You're clear. You're clear. Yeah. About what it is that you care about and who you are. Right. And what you stand for. And you're not afraid to be clear about that. You're sharp with your time. Sharp with your attention. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. You're focused. Focused. You don't have time for. Focused. Yeah. You. You have focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love being sharp. I fucking keep love it sharp. It. Mm, keep it tight. Keep it sharp. Keep it high and tight. Drink mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, we didn't drink our mushroom drink. I know. I, we're try supposed it tomorrow. To, we'll try it tomorrow. I'm obsessed with you. Mm. Truly. I love you. I love you. I never thought I'd meet someone like you. Mm. You teach me so much. <laughs> and I love you so much. <laughs> I think about you all the time. <laughs> Thanks for being mine. Thanks for being mine. Thanks for living forever. You got it, babe. Thanks for letting me die first. I really, that's big of you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. You really bit the bullet for both she of us. She always says, if I die, she's going to kill me. <laughs> I will. I will. She's going to so... haunt my ass when she dies. That's the problem. <laughs> that evil laugh. That's going to haunt me for sure. I love you. I love you too, You're baby. the best person ever. You are. I can't wait to spend forever with you. Everyone follow Better by Michelle on us. No, no. My name is my name now. Oh, everyone follow, follow Michelle Pelazon. On Instagram, yeah. Holisticism. <laughs> Sign up for the newsletter every- at holisticism.com. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. Yes, yes, all of the above. Good ratings. Um, I hope you liked this episode. It was a bit different than what we normally do. It's Sorry, it's a little personal. But- www.extremist.love. Yes, thank Sign you. up for our newsletter and check out the podcast, Love Extremist Radio. And follow Ethan on Follow me, Ethan Lipsitz, E-T-H-A-N-L-I-P-S-I-T-Z. And Love Extremists. And on Clubhouse. And on Clubhouse. If you're on the Clubhouse. Yeah. And if you need a Clubhouse invite, hit up Ethan. And uh, follow at Illegal Lattes. No. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm just trying to push your new side project in. Hey, you. All right. Thanks, E. Thank you, baby. Bye. Mwah. Okay, and that's it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Ethan Lipsitz. You can follow along at Love Extremist on Instagram. We'll put some of his many various projects and handles in the show notes below. And if you liked this episode, just let me know. Share it on Instagram, shoot me a text at the text line or leave a review for us. That makes such a big difference. And I'd really love to hear what you thought of it. Okay, with that, I will see you on the internet. Bye. Bye.